Hey y'all, y'all know what time it is. It is Chanel here from the No Judgment Here podcast. How is everyone going? I can't believe this is going to be the last episode for 2020. And I'm gonna just pause for a second and pat myself on the back because this podcast has actually been the most consistent thing I have done. You know, how many times do we start something and then we stop? Especially with diets or exercise or like just any other, you know, hobbies we try to take on. But I am proud of myself and I am one who believes in giving yourself praise and giving yourself credit. So I just want to take a moment and just say that I'm proud of myself for, you know, launching this podcast and sticking to it because it truly is something that I enjoy doing. I love talking. I love hearing myself, not in a cocky way, but I mean, I like my voice, but like I love talking and I know that I have something for people to hear. I like interviewing people and hearing, you know, different people's point of view because once again this is a no judgment zone and I just want people to come and be themselves and you know bring about any type of uh you know subjects or ideas that they just want to talk about and I love that I have the opportunity to create that platform for people to do so so I just had to get that out of the way and just say all in all I know 2020 has been a crazy year for everyone um we've gone through the same things dealing with covid and to have something that i was actually consistent with and didn't give up on just is good for me and if you're someone who you stuck to something new in 2020 and you didn't give up and you were consistent with something in your life or more than one thing kudos to you because especially with this year i it was it's hard anytime to stick to something but especially this year when so many different things were thrown at us and we stayed consistent with something just big pat on the back congratulate yourself and be proud of yourself there's nothing wrong with being proud of yourself okay so but like i said this will be the last episode of 2020 and you know i'll see you all in 2021 with some fresh episodes and some fresh topics i'm looking forward to that i really am to start the the new year off with some cool fresh things so I just want to, you know, do a recap of certain things that have happened recently in the news and uh, social media culture, all the different things I like to catch up on. So first things first, I just want to talk about 1221, um, which is also a palindrome. Hello. Um, but 1221, um, it was huge on Twitter talking about black people getting their superpowers um it was just a real fun thing to be a part of and just experience all the different tweets um excuse me i like when you know our community is able to come together and just have fun and make light of any situation it was cool to see everyone do that even though it seemed like everyone somehow had the same superpower which was teleportation everyone i saw was like i'm going i'm going back in time i'm doing this i'm teleporting here and i'm here and i'm like dang we we all got the same power but no it was really really cool to see that um another thing <laughs> that's in the news that has been go like has been the talk of media for months has been these dag on stimulus checks the second round and it's like 
it seems that as soon as we think they're one step closer to like passing it and us getting it, then boom, something else happens. Like <clears throat> it took them forever to finally agree on the 600 and then trump was like no i want 2k and then we had good old mitch mcconnell you know he's denied it or whatever he did to say no and it's like and now we're back to square one (laughs) like for me it just blows my mind how there are people arguing about giving american citizens money not even their money like this isn't y'all's money that y'all are arguing about. This is the like this is the country, American money. Like so many Americans pay taxes and do all this different, you know, things contributing to the government, but yet it's it, people can't get the assistance and help they need. Like it's really a discussion about what the American people needs and I just pray that they pick a good amount that everyone could agree on because I'm not going to lie 600 is not a lot you know it's something but it's really not much 2000 that's very generous and I feel like a lot of people could have used that especially right now and it's the delay is what's driving me crazy like we're supposed to, to be this big dominant country that the world looks up to but we can't even give our people what they need and I, I think I had said this earlier in some a few podcast episodes ago where I was like, it kind of makes you ashamed to be an American because look at how we handle situations. Um, yeah, so any <laughs> the other news I have is actually just going to be more gloomy because I don't know why that's just what our country is in right now. Um, but I just wanted to talk about another shooting um, that was in Columbus, Ohio, done by the Columbus Police Department. They shot a man named Andre Hill. May he rest in peace. Unarmed black man. Um, From the stories that I read, the police were called for a non-emergency. They were called for a non-emergency. And he came out, um, Andre Hill came out to address the non-emergency. And he was shot. And it's just like, first of all, it's it's a non-emergency. So why are guns being drawn in the first place and an update on that is that that cop has been fired but i i'm tired of it you know i'm i'm sick of it because it's like first of all for two shootings to take place in my city within a matter of like three weeks my mind is blown because i have brothers and siblings and uncles i said brothers and siblings you guys know what i meant (laughs) uncles and cousins and I have my own child you know my child has a father his father has brothers and cousins like it's just really hard because at this point and we always knew this but it could be anybody and I'm tired of it because I don't I'm not someone who who lives in fear and I don't want anyone else to live in fear but when you see Innocent black men being gunned down just because police are trained to fear them. Your outlook on life changes drastically. And there is a little bit of fear in you because you don't want to get that phone call that your family member or your friend has been shot and killed by the police. So I just want to, to my 
my black community out there and allies of the black community, just keep your head up. Don't live in fear. Um, you know, we have to do all that we can to make sure all officers get um, held are held accountable for what they have done. And it's like, I don't know. It's like the the black lives don't matter, you know, which is why this movement has started because they they take us out like it's nothing. And it's really hard. But at the end of the day, I'm always going to be proud to be a black person regardless, period. I'm always going to be happy to be a black person and proud of that. I just want the world and America to embrace that with us. Like, why are we such a target? And I, you know, I'm just tired of it. Um, Speaking of targets, uh, in Nashville, there was a bombing on Christmas. And I, I don't know, man. America is just not looking good right now between shootings. We have shootings. We have bombings. We can't agree on stimulus. And then COVID, like everything, it's just not looking good in this country. And it's, you're, you're left speechless because why? But yet that bomber, they wouldn't even really address him as a terrorist, which he is. Just think about it. Innocent black man is gunned down. Then you have this white man who did the bombing is, isn't even called what he should be, which is a terrorist. You know, and I'm just, I'm tired of racial divides. I'm just, I'm really, I'm really tired. You know, and I hate to have to end the new, the, to end 2020 like this, but it's, it's difficult. Cause I'm like, can we overcome? And that, that's one thing I hope going into 2021 is that like, we will overcome so many challenges that we have been faced with. So many things that have happened to us in 2020. 20 i just hope that we come out of 2020 so much stronger and go into 2021 just ready to conquer it all because it's been difficult and it's it's been rough and i don't want anyone to to throw in the towel just because 2020 has been rough for you you have to keep going got to keep going and i know i'm sorry i had some some gloomy um topics to discuss but that's just you know what our our current state is in america so <laughs> let's get into the topic okay um for this last episode of 2020 um i wanted to touch on something that's actually near and dear to my heart and it's focusing on grief and especially grief around the holiday season and the reason i had picked this topic was because I have dealt with grief in many forms. But my first experience with grief was losing my father um, back when I was 14. And through the course of my life, I have met other people who have lost their parents. And I just wanted to talk to some people my age, some millennials, and just see how we were, how we have been able to navigate grief and how you know we've dealt with it and what advice we could give to other millennials or people younger than us who are dealing with that type of grief of losing a parent or just losing a loved one near and dear to you so that is what this topic is this week so i hope you enjoy this episode let's get into it <laughs> 
everybody. It's Janelle here. Back another week with the No Judgment Here podcast. And I've kind of been on this streak of having special guests come on and talk with me and just engage in different topics. And I'm wrapping up 2020 with something a little more um, serious and really important, especially with the year 2020 has been. Um, The topic we're going to discuss tonight is regarding grief and how we navigate that grief in different ways we process that grief especially between um generations as we talk about grief tonight it will mainly center around you know millennials and how we process it all so i have two special guests with me and i would just like them to introduce themselves um you can say where you're from your occupation and anything you know you want to promote or anything like that, have at it. Um, my name is Samantha Chismar Silverman. I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, and I currently teach elementary education in Columbus, Ohio. All right, uh, my name is Karan Red. I'm from Warren, Ohio, and um, I'm a professional barber uh, shop owner and um, also mentor youth and um Warren, as far as like nonprofit organizations and things like that. Sweet. Look at that. We have some common stuff. Youth and kids and all that. All right. So let's just jump into the topic. Um, so I'm kind of uh, coming with a, a heavy hitter question from the beginning. Um, my first question is, who did you lose that was close to you? Um, it can be like like the first, if you lost more than one person, like the first person that truly impacted you, or if you wanted to, you know, say some someone recent, um, just like what was the, I guess the most impactful um, death of someone that has really um, happened. Um, I lost uh, my dad who raised me from the time I was a baby, mm-hmm. my biological father and my little brother in the same year over a little, mm-hmm. a little over a year ago. Wow. Um, I lost uh, both of my parents within a couple years apart from each other. Uh, my mother uh, passed away in 2014 and my dad passed away in 2017. So they was equally impactful. So uh, right. those would definitely be the two that uh, I would have to go with. I um, I lost my dad in 2005. And in 2016, I'm sorry, 2017, I had lost uh, my grandma and I had lost a mentor. That was my college mentor. Like she was just my go-to person. Um, So I know I stayed at 2005. So I was only 14. Um, How old were you all when these deaths happened? Um, mine started in 2017 too. Sounds like 2017 was not a great yeah. year for the three yeah, of us. Exactly. <laughs> um, I was a uh, 20. I was 23 when my mom passed. She actually mm-hmm. passed a few days, uh, five days before my 24th birthday. So yeah, that was a um, that was a very dark week to say the right. least. Um, I was 26 when my dad passed away. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to say that. I was 27 when my dad passed away. Um, So how did like those around you treat you, you know, whether it was family or friends and them knowing what happened? Like what was their response to something tragic like that happening to you? 
Man, I feel like there were so many reactions. Mm. Um, A lot of people, I think, become afraid to mention that person around you. Nobody wants to trigger you. Um, A lot of people who haven't gone through anything similar, it's just so foreign to them that they don't know how to act. Um, In my case, I feel like a lot of people almost ghosted me. Mm. Like I became tangible evidence that their worst nightmare could come true. And I think that's scary for people and it creates some awkwardness in your relationships. That's pretty interesting. Um, If I recall, I recall it being treated uh, differently with both deaths. Um, Actually, uh, when my mother passed, it was it was a lot more um, empathy and kind of understanding and things like that. I remember uh, it was a lot different when my dad passed away. I don't I still don't know why that is, but it was a. it, it seemed to be less understanding and um, it was a lot of people who have never went through what I had went through, not even once. And they were kind of like uh, on the defensive end of mm. a, a situation, which I, to this day, I still, um, there's a few people I still kind of cut ties with over that. And uh, right. just to be honest. Mm. so, yeah, I, I recall being treated differently with both deaths and um, with my uh, dad, I can definitely say is uh, I didn't, necessarily like the way uh, I was treated during that time. I remember mm-hmm. that vividly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can kind of relate. Um, I feel like when I when I look back at it and I think of, you know, all the impactful devs, I think people relate to, they relate differently when they know your relationship with that person, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, nobody knew my relationship with my father. No one really knew you know, with my grandma, but my mentor, you know, when I'm in college and people are constantly, you know, seeing you around that person or constantly seeing Facebook posts and you're always together, they react in a different way because they know like, oh, wow, this, they were really close. Like this hurts. But it was like, I was also close to those other people too. Mm -hmm. I just, you guys didn't see that or I I wasn't always posting it on social media. It was totally different. So I feel like people kind of react different when they think they know the relationship. Yeah, I feel like it could get really lonely because no one, even if they see the surface of your relationship with people, nobody knows your relationship because they're so unique and individual. I mean, Mm -hmm. for example, my brother and I lost the same dad, but we didn't lose the same relationship. So even though we could relate to each other on a level, relationships are just so unique that it can get really lonely and isolating. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I, I think uh, I wouldn't know. I would have to ask those people directly. So I'm pretty much just speculating at this point. But I think with my dad, some of the uh, cold shoulders I received, I think um, just growing up and stuff, even into adulthood, a lot of people, um, especially people who look like me and grew up in uh, neighborhoods I grew up in, they just didn't have dads in their lives. So I think that was that definitely, uh, definitely led to a lack of understanding and a lack mm-hmm. of here and um so yeah i i think that's why i wouldn't really know unless they said it but just kind of um looking from the outside because i kind of couldn't really understand why they were uh feeling the way they were compared to the way i was feeling but i think it's just because they couldn't understand that feeling because they also didn't have one so uh yeah I, I was grateful from that standpoint that i was able to have that relationship with my dad no that makes sense um so are you all aware with the five stages of grief I mean, I'm going to state them regardless, but are you aware of what they are? Yes. 
Uh, vaguely. Okay. So I'm going to state them. We have here denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Do Are these relatable um, to you in your grieving process? Did you go through them in this certain order? Or did you even experience any of these at all? I feel like I never really experienced denial. Mm-hmm. Like I've always known um, and understood that it's happened. I think it's really easy sometimes to forget, especially when you're grieving multiple people. Like sometimes I miss my dad so much that I forget that I don't have my brother to talk to mm-hmm. about how I miss my dad. Yeah. And I think that's really hard. And then um, something my therapist always says is that like all of the stages are intertwined. So like that makes me angry. And then it makes me bargain. And so it's kind of like a domino effect once you feel one. And it's just like a constant process. I don't think they happen one at a time necessarily. Yeah, um, I believe I, I, I could relate to multiple of those stages. I, I believe um, the, the most frequent ones that I kind of alternate between was depression and anger, like easily. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother, she died suddenly. So the the denial thing never really happened but the acceptance part was uh, hard my uh my dad was sick for a while and um i definitely went through a denial period before he even died so mm-hmm. accepting that was hard once he did die but anger and depression those are the two that um mm-hmm. i can even say now there's something i still kind of bounce between uh in regards to that situation yeah yeah i definitely agree with that um so how did you actually grieve? I know we kind of touched on like those actual stages and somewhat, um, but did you like grieve each death the same? Man, um, I feel like, I mean, we're always grieving. So it right. just, it's weird when you have deaths intertwining with each other. I personally think that for the first year after every death, I was kind of in like, not shock maybe shock but like almost blacked out where Mm. like I like went through the motions and then found myself grieving later when I had like downtime when I wasn't pouring into work Mm. or um, you know we had to isolate because of COVID Um, I think at different times grief just creeps up on you right and sometimes I feel like I can't even pinpoint that it's grief you know it comes out in other ways like as stress or depression for example yeah I can um I can a second what Miss Samantha just said it's kind of for me I dealt with it really similarly it was a depression and isolation like I kind of I go into shutdown mode and a lot of people I know that they kind of keep themselves busy or they try to distract themselves but like uh, when I went through both those periods, none of my distractions were doing their job at distracting. So I kind of was like left to just really face it head on. So I definitely did a lot of self-isolation. And um, my mom died and uh, it was November. So it was kind of like a cold period. So by it being cold, being um, rainy, dark, real early, things like that, it just helped it lead into depression easier. My dad died in the summer and that was a... Uh, I still went to the same mode, but it was a uh, it was easier for me to sometimes find mm-hmm. some energy. I think just due to the atmosphere and the surroundings. But 
I dealt with them equally, similarly, depression and shutdown, isolation. Yeah, I think for me, I had to actually realize, and you touched on this, Sam, that, you know, we're constantly grieving. Um, Being like when I view other people's grief or other people's sadness and I'm like, why are they? They grieve it for so long, you know, like mm-hmm. they're, they're, th- that person has been dead for five years and they're they're still sad. Why? You know, it's like it's been so long, but it's like it's a constant thing that you're constantly feeling and it can definitely sneak up on you. Like I said, my dad has he passed away. I was 14. That's 2005. Like I had I literally went to school that next week. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have a long time. Like I didn't really have a lot of time to to process it all. And so I think I like cried the day I knew and like the funeral, Mm -hmm. but I had to get right back to life, you know? So I, sometimes I'd be like, dang, like, I I really wonder how things would be if he was here because it was just so long ago. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it does still hit me as an adult, like so many milestones and things he missed out on or I didn't get to have him there. Um, But I think I, I only think about, the times that I cried and that mm-hmm. that to me was like me grieving but it was like no like whenever he comes in my mind or I'm thinking about him or I wish he was here like that's me grieving too um so I never really you know put two and two together for me grief was always the the sadness and, and the crying yeah you know, I, feel I, like... I think a lot of people um confuse grief <laughs> simply just sadness but it manifests in a variety of ways definitely yeah yeah every day is like a first time you've done something without that person or Mm -hmm. a reminder of the last time you did that thing. Like I remember it was like a year after I lost my dad and I was at a speedway gas station. And I, I literally thought to myself, this is the first time I've gotten gas at a speedway since my dad died. Mm. And it's such a silly thought. And it's so frustrating that something like that can trigger you like even on the best day. Um, but it's just, it, they're always in the back of your mind and it's so frustrating that the world goes on and we right. move on, but then there's those constant reminders. Yeah, yep. Um, so I'm glad we have a guy <laughs> to discuss this as well. So do you think men and women grieve differently? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Um, why that is, I'm not sure, but I got a couple, uh, a couple ideas let's hear it let's hear it i think with men we're any single time whether it's children or women we're supposed to be the rock when they grieve so is in turn it kind of uh it kind of built up a resistance within us that we have to grieve internally or uh if we grieve uh outwardly then it's not supposed to be expressed that way so I and usually when I see guys openly grieve, I never really met it. I never seen it met with, you know, open arms. Let me put it that way. And mm-hmm. and me, I, I never was a person who openly like grieved at all. And I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a tough thing. I think it's uh just the way we've been wired for so long that's kinda like second nature at this point. But I definitely think it's uh I, I do know with women, I, I usually hear them kind of uh grieve by staying busy more so than depression which is uh that's not a bad thing at all staying busy and still having that type of drive to get things done while grieving i think that's a an amazing trait one that i necessarily don't really have so i think uh women and men definitely grieve 
differently, not one better than the other or anything like that. But uh, just from my personal experience, it, it looks like uh, it's more acceptable for a woman to grieve in particular ways than it would before men. And I'm not sure if that's right or wrong, but that's what it appears to be, though. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think society has set it up so that it's so hard for men to reach out and ask for help. I mean, I know that, um, you know, on my day to day, I just have like my tribe of girls who I could say, I need you to pray for me or I'm having a bad day and they just get it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's so much more uncommon for, for men to, it just hasn't been made as socially acceptable for men to show weakness. And it's, it, again, goes back to that isolation where I feel like men are more isolated in their grief because they don't feel like they can outwardly express it. No, yeah, I I definitely agree. Um, So do you believe that, like, and I know we keep saying, you know, grief is an actual, like, process. It doesn't really stop. Um, But, you know, when, when these tragic moments first happened, do you believe you were actually given the space and time to grieve or did you constantly have people in your face or did it come a point in time when people were like, oh, my gosh, you're still sad about that? Get over it. I think I think I've always kind of known because, again, I'm like a big believer in therapy. So my therapist right. just said, like, you're not on a timeline. So I knew I knew not to expect to one and done. Like everyone says, like, you'll, you'll get better. It will get better. And I think if I would have listened to that advice rather than uh-huh. my therapist advice <laughs> of saying you're not on a timeline, I would constantly be frustrated. And I definitely – I don't think at first I gave myself time to grieve. Um, okay. I mean, my dad died. I was at work the next week. I was serving at church that Sunday. Um, I mean, I just went right back to my life very quickly and it wasn't really until this year where I started working from home and I was stuck at home that I really had time to sit down and realize how sad I've been. Right. And see, um, I, I, I feel that because I think if we, when we decide to give ourselves time and we, we think about grief, it goes back to grief always being something kind of negative. You know, if mm-hmm. you, you're grieving too long or you're sad too long, you're thinking about it too long, it's, it's always viewed as a bad thing. Like, how, how can you be so sad or this or that? Are you going to be depressed? Um, but it, it is a process that we have to go through. And it has to happen, even though, you know, we all grieve so differently. We have to have, I feel like we have to have that initial moment Mm -hmm. of it. And if you don't, it'll come because like I said, it comes quickly. And I think something that angers me so much is when I tell someone I'm having a bad day or having a hard time and they say, why at like, I'm supposed to like they're supposed to know that I'm always having a bad day because I'm grieving because people Mm. don't people don't expect it a year later or even a month later they think that you get really sad and you move on but I mean I think of how long it takes some of my friends to get over a breakup and then I'm I'm shocked (laughs) that they're so surprised that I'm not over the death of someone who molded me to be the person I am today right yeah definitely I I agree with that Um, on my end, I believe I, I had a good amount of time. Still, it's still never enough time, but I took a leave of absence from work. I took a leave of absence from barber school. Um, 
So those things, I, I had a lot of time when my dad passed away. With my mom, I'm not um, – yeah, I, I definitely don't think I had that much uh, time to just uh, really let everything unfold. But during both processes, uh, I was blessed with a few good people around me who uh, made the process a little bit easier for me. So I was grateful for that. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that always helps. Um, so – Seeing as we live in a day and age where just social media is, you know, the thing we do. What about social media and grief? Because I'm that person where I feel like people overshare. Like Mm -hmm. someone's parent will die that morning and they post it on Facebook an hour later. And to me, it's like, how are you okay to share this already? Or I see someone post a picture of their self crying. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, if you're really that sad. Yeah, that's too far. Why are you taking pictures, you know? So, like, how, how do you guys do that? The whole, like, social media and grief, like, are people just trying to get attention? Or is that actually them grieving? I feel like it just depends on who you are. Um, I know specifically, like, when my brother passed away, I was, like, forced into a situation where I had we had private services. So I had to post that so people would stop asking. Um, I felt like I was pressured to be posting things because everybody else was. And mm. um, it almost would make it seem like I didn't care. Um, now... It brings me joy, like when my timeline pops up and and there's a picture of me and my brother, or me and my dad. It's it's something that brings me joy, and I love posting it because then I know that next year it's gonna pop up again. Right. Um, and so it's not for attention. I just feel like, you know, different things bring people joy at different times, and it's almost um, on a person to person basis. Like for some reason, it's a lot easier for me to look at pictures of my brother than it is to look at pictures of my dad. And mm-hmm. so I don't post those as much because I want to keep those close to my heart. Um, so, yeah, I just think it depends on the person and what their relationship is with social media. Because, um, yeah, I don't think we need to post pictures of ourselves crying. But also we're in a day and age where we're advocating for mental health. And so I feel like it might be helpful for people to know that, hey, 25 months later, um, I'm still grieving and that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think people who overshare, I think it's a combination of both as far as like wanting attention and, um, and actual grief. I, Cause I, I would never understate, uh, somebody going through something traumatic like right. that. So I definitely mm-hmm. think of grief, but at the same time, I'm also a person who believes every single thing we post on social media, we want some type of attention or we wouldn't have shared it with people. Right. So, um, but I can definitely say wholeheartedly, I would never <laughs> you know, go to that extent is um, both times when it happened to me, like I took long, like extremely long hiatuses from social media. That was the last thing on my mind. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely not an overshare type of person. And then I don't like inviting people who uh, really are not inside sources. I don't like inviting them into the circle. So I definitely wouldn't overshare. But I just had me, my siblings, and it uh, it was perfect having me and them because I was going I was going through it with people who were equally affected by it and mm-hmm. knew everything from the inside. So I'd rather have it that way than, you know, social media, because the moment something happens tomorrow, you know, it's a whole new story. and Nobody really cares anymore. So mm-hmm, right. yeah, I, I think social media is kind of like blown out of proportion as it 
comes to grief. But just like Sam said, it is useful and people advocating for like mental health and things like that. It is good in that regard, but uh, I think it's a fine line between advocating for it and, and people just kind of, you know, going too far. Yeah. yeah, I also think it depends on who is posting it too. Like I have seen people post about someone dying before their whole fa- like the person's whole family knew yet. Oh, see. Um, so I feel like you know. Like, my motto is, like, you should never be posting something before the immediate family is. Absolutely not. Um, not at all. <laughs> and so it was it was really hard. Like, for example, um, when my brother passed away, I had a three-hour drive home. And so mm-hmm. that whole three-hour drive had to be spent doing damage control and making sure we told all of the people who needed to know before it got onto the internet. And because we had seen it with family friends so often, and that was really hard because I hadn't even had time to process, but I had to give this bad news to everyone while driving three hours. So um, I think there's just a level of respect when it comes to social media that a lot of people don't understand um, because that can be so toxic. I mean, imagine um, a niece or a nephew finding out their aunt or uncle passed away from the internet. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, it, it could become really disrespectful when it comes to social media. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you guys both kind of touched on something um, earlier, Sam, you, you spoke about like kind of feeling like uh, kind of forced or obligated to feel like you need to post because if not, it's like you don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, um, when, like, well, my dad died. I was 2005. So like Facebook was just kind of starting. So I wasn't really using social media then, but my grandma when she passed away like my cousins and stuff were just posting and posting and I'm someone who you know um I don't really I don't go to social media when I'm sad Mm -hmm. you know I I stray away but I was like well shoot like I want them to know like I'm her you know oldest grandchild (laughs) you know like look look, I want to post something too so they can see that you know I'm hurting this is she didn't only have them as grandkids. So I, I had kind of felt the need to post in that. Um, and then something else was stated. Uh, oh, about how when it is posted on social media, it kind of, it blows over for everybody else. But for you, like, you're still going to go through that. And I know um, this actually happens with celebrities all the time. I know John Witherspoon, when he died, his son had tweeted, like, you know, granted you know we're posting about our dad dying and this will literally blow away the next day but for us like we're going to constantly be missing our dad every day going forward while you guys just share these hashtags and photos for Mm -hmm. this one day um so yeah I don't know I'm just not a big fan of the (laughs) social media and I feel the same I feel the same way about like death dates or birthdays when people will say like I know this is a really hard day for you and I'm like Mm. the other 364 are excruciating too um this isn't isn't the one the one day and that's so true like it just blows over for everybody else but you're still just stuck in the storm and um sometimes it kind of like can ruin a day because it might be a good day it might not be your worst day but a random Tuesday in April might be really bad and you don't want to get out of bed and so um yeah it's just funny sometimes how people think like certain days are for grieving and it's every single day 
everything. Definitely. I, I will say I learned one one great lesson. Uh, I didn't see it as a lesson at the time, but in hindsight, I definitely see it as a great lesson. My dad died. I really learned that people just don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And I'm a firm believer that when you don't know what to say, a hug or just your presence is enough. But like, right. I, I, I will never forget like the amount of people who was telling me like, um, like when my mother passed, it was like, like I said, people were like equally as shocked with me. But like when my dad passed, everybody kind of just had it a nonchalance towards it where it was kind of like, well, you know, um, Mr. Red was in your life and you had him, so you should just be grateful. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't understand it. Like, it drove me crazy at the time that people thought I should have just been grateful because I had a dad in my life. And I just, it, it drove me crazy. And I realized that people, they didn't mean any harm, but um, I'm also a firm believer that meaning well and doing well are two completely different things. And so I feel like people, when they don't know what to say, they just say the dumbest stuff. I mean, <laughs> I I just like could not believe some of the the stuff that was said to me like at the funeral home when my Sealed. dad died. Me too. Like, someone really came up to me and said, "Oh, I didn't know Mike had a daughter." And I was what? like, "Did you read the obituary? Like, what? did you? Did you? That's not really what I want to hear." And then somebody else asked me what happened, and like it was all my dad was in a car accident, so it was all over the news. Like, I don't know how you could have been at the funeral home if you didn't know what happened. It was right. so, like, yeah, exactly. people, people just are, they get so weird and then say the weirdest things. And I love that it was said that, like, a hug or just your presence is enough. Like, sometimes you just need someone to sit with you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember when my dad died. Now, granted, we were all teenagers, but I literally had someone say to me, how does it feel not to have a dad anymore? And yeah, what kind of question is that? Right. I wanted I wanted to punch them so badly, but I'm I'm not a violent person. But I just like sat there and stared, and I'm just like, wait, what? Oh, um, yeah. But like I said, I mean, granted, we were teenagers, teenagers say dumb things, but I just was my mind was blown um, at that statement for sure. Because <laughs> it's like I don't even know how to answer that question for one. Yeah. Secondly, would somebody say good? Like it feels great. This is tragic. It was my first death. Um, so since we're on the topic of people, so is it just me or does losing someone really reveal the true colors of other people? Say it's friends or family. Hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um like I said, you have people who just don't know how to act, so they avoid you. Um, which is, is fine, but I think it reveals in a way the best parts of people and the worst parts of people. I mean, after my brother's death, um, my brother and I had the same habit. Um, it's just who I am as a person. Like I'm either best friends with you or I'm kind of indifferent towards you. Like, I don't dislike you. I just like, we're not really friends or you're just an right. acquaintance, you know? And so after my brother's death, his like friends who he had made family all these best friends like rallied around me and I don't go a day without hearing from one of them and they just stepped up in a way that was just like so unbelievable and then I had some of my personal friends who I don't know they just weren't what I needed them to be and I definitely had some family members who really turned out to be not what I needed them to be. Um, death can ruin a lot of relationships. 
and it's sad because it's a time where everyone should be closer. Right. Sometimes it rips people apart. Yeah, true. Um, I think as far as if it reveals a lot about people around you, I'm kind of, I'm like 60, 40 on that, like 60% yes and 40% no. And the reason I say that is because, and it's hard to see this while you're in the moment, but I don't have like an entitlement feeling to where I feel like others should make my issues their own. It's great if they do, but like living that way, you'll definitely set yourself up for like disappointment. So um, I think it it kind of shows who really cares the most and it shows who can um, really be around you and who, who really wants to stand with you when it's not fun or not easy. And I think that's the main thing that it reveals and it definitely reveals who you kind of don't want to deal with after that storm is over with. So yeah, yeah I can kind of say like it's 70%, 70, 30. I, I can say yeah, it kind of reveals a lot about those around you because like as friends especially going into adulthood friends and family it's not just riding bikes and playing video games it's going to be real life mm-hmm. issues and you want to know that those people you know can stay solid when it's not just you know fun and games so yeah, it does with a lot yeah and i think um for me i i didn't really see a change in friends but definitely family i yeah, feel yeah. like they focus on the wrong things mm-hmm. when someone dies you know is you know families start arguing because like who's going to get this person's possessions or what or that and I'm just like how can you even focus on like this person's no longer with us and you guys want to argue about possessions yeah something that they probably don't even care like something that doesn't matter you know we lost a, t- in a complete life mm-hmm. um and I, I just seen it get divided that way or even ways where it was who had the the, who knew that person the most or who was closest to them different stuff like that and it's one of those things I mentioned earlier where it was like you don't know everyone's relationship with that person right. so you can't sit here and say someone was closer than you were when you don't know that but I, I definitely seen a lot of that happen and it's sad because you know you want to connect with your family and share memories with you know, about that person um but in my case, like uh, a lot of family, I kind of don't talk to anymore. Yeah. yeah. Just I because can, of seeing it. <laughs> I can uh, definitely agree with that. And again, I think it just goes back to everybody being on their individual journey. And some people just can't go with you into the next season after yeah. you go through something traumatic like the three of us have been through. I mean, I feel like you almost are forced into this growth that you don't choose for yourself. Um, And some people just get left behind because you outgrow them. And it's sad, but it's also, you know, it's a form of self-care, I think, to, you know, take the people with you who who are with you. And sometimes the rest have to be left behind, as sad as that is to say. A lot of times it does revolve around grief and reactions to grief, especially traumatic deaths, because it's so unexpected. And when people are in shock, they act crazy. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of like a, not a silly question, but like an interesting one. So what about like awkward situations or being around people who are insensitive? Um, just a little bit of context. Um, I don't know if you remember, Sam, but it was at, uh, I think it was 
the game night prior to Aisha leaving. Mm-hmm. And oops, I name dropped. Sorry, but not about her. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll bleep that out. Beep. Um, <laughs> it was like game night prior, and we were playing a game. And uh, someone said their biggest fear was losing their parents. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. And I just kind of looked away because I know we were the only two in the room yeah. who lost a parent. And I'm just like, I wonder if Sam is feeling what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And, and it's hard because <laughs> people, I've had to learn, like, it's so frustrating when people haven't gone through something as traumatic as you, but you still have to have sympathy for them. Yeah. Um, and, like, nobody means anything by that. But it also sucks to hear. Um, I just, when I'm in those situations, it's so, so awkward. Um, The same night you were talking about, someone asked, like, have you ever known an addict? And, like, I got so weird because my brother was an addict. Uh And, like, it's just, like, a weird thing because – yeah, I can say, yes, I do, but nobody can relate on that level if everyone else yeah. is saying no. Um, and so that's something I'm trying to get better at is like advocating for myself, but in a gracious way. Got it. Yeah, I think, um, well, for me, I, I don't have no uh, tolerance for people being insensitive, whether it's towards me or towards others. Yeah. So, like, and the few people who I encounter like that, like that's something that no matter how much time goes by, uh, I never let that go. Like, and so, yeah, I, I don't call it a grudge or anything. I just kind of, I move forward. And that's something that yeah, me and those people don't really have anything to talk about anymore. Mm-hmm. And see, I also think about it in the sense of like, you kind of don't want to be the killjoy. You know what I mean? Like, yes. You know, they're like, oh, I never lost. I haven't. My biggest fear is with some parent. You're like, oh, well, I lost my parent, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it changes the whole mood. And now you're like, oh. Great. Yeah, and that's just, like you know, where, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at too. Like, I don't want to be, I feel like I never want to be the sad person at the party. And my life is kind of sad. So, like, it's really hard for me to know a, an appropriate time to be like yeah I'm a really sad person but don't mind me we can still have fun here <laughs> yeah that would be mad awkward it, 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 it definitely is um so do you ever feel obligated to tell someone that you've lost certain people close to you like say it's someone you're just getting to know or a new friend um do you ever feel obligated to tell them that part about you or do you just let it not be known? I feel like it's been such a big part of my life because everything is so fresh. I mean, 2017 right. to now hasn't been that long when you think of like three deaths at a time. Right. And so I feel like I always have to kind of let people know to know who I am um, to an extent because it's such a big part of me to have those absences I mean when you meet someone new the first thing they say are like where are you from what do your parents do yeah Um, you know do you have any siblings and so it's it's just it's part of getting to know you is getting to know your family and who you surround yourself with but um it's also it's again it's kind of awkward oh I just have two more questions so my next one is um so how do you uh, how do you all handle like grief around the holidays? Because we all know the holiday season um, is a time where a lot of people 
fall into depression. Yeah. Um, so how do you all handle this time of year? I um I decided early on to create a new routine. Um, my dad was the biggest on the holidays. He had like the biggest Christmas Eve party every year. And, um, me and my dad and my brother would go by ourselves to breakfast on Christmas morning every year. And it was so, so special to me. And so the next year I just, I didn't really have those same opportunities to see like, you know, people say like the empty seat at the table. Yeah. Um, I didn't really experience that. I mean, I'm an adult, so I don't, I didn't live with anybody who I lost. And so um, their absence, I, I just didn't really get the opportunity to see their absence in that way. Um, But I think it actually helped me like having that new routine and not even giving myself the chance to have that empty seat at the table. It's not that you don't think about that person all day. It's not that their presence isn't there or some of the traditions aren't there. It just kind of softens the blow. Yeah. Um, That's probably an avoidance behavior. I don't know. But um, (laughs) I really do feel like it helps. And so that would be like my advice to anybody around the holidays is just to create a new routine or new traditions that honor the people you've lost, but don't emphasize their absence for you. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there you go. You're back to normal now. What happened? I ain't sure. Maybe it's magic. <laughs> yeah, he's back. <laughs> he I got also, superpowers. I also feel like your self-care is so important, not only around the holidays, but 365. Like my therapist, she always holds me accountable and asks me every session, like, what are you doing for your self-care every day? Um, and for me, I have seen if I don't work out every morning and start my day that way, grief will creep in so much easier. Mm. Um, not to say I still don't have bad days, but if I keep up with that self-care routine, it's so much easier to get through the day because my mind isn't, isn't allowing that, you know, that cycle of grief to enter, enter in as easily. Right. Um, and so definitely just taking care of yourself and knowing that, um, no is a word that you shouldn't feel bad using. Like when you're grieving, sometimes you have to say no to things, um, things that will make you sad, things that are not going to be beneficial for your grief process. True, true. Um, I think, well, for me, around holidays, I just kind of recreate things that my parents uh, used to do or uh, used to like. And it's a comforting feeling for me. So uh, that's been one tactic that's tend to uh, work more often than not. So a lot of things that they was into or a lot of things that we was into together, I just kind of recreated. It's still an empty feeling, but it's a, it's a bit of a, a rewarding one where I try to mm-hmm. recreate it with my nieces and nephews. And that always feels mm-hmm. good for me. Yeah. yeah. I know, like, um, for me, I don't necessarily get sad around the holiday. Um but for me and my sister, like when we talk about my grandma, we'll always like share funny quotes that she would say. Or if we see a meme that remind my grandma was wild. If we see a meme that reminds us of her, like we'll tag each other. Like who does remind you of her? Like grandma. And like we kind of keep that, that like, like remember the goodness about her. Um, yeah. And just her personality and everything like that. Um, so that, that helps too. Just having someone that you can, um, relate to regarding a certain person that you can talk to about that person yeah, is big. But 
my last question is, Sam, you had kind of touched on it. You might have more advice. I'm not sure, but you definitely gave one piece of advice. But my last um, question was just what encouragement and or advice can you give someone who has recently lost someone um, or has lost someone in the past and is still navigating, you know, their whole grieving process? I think just coming to the understanding that that person can't be replaced. Um, You know, work can't replace that person and um, you can work all you want, but that void will never be filled. And there, there is no amount of people in the world that can replace that one person for you. And I think the minute you stop chasing that and just sit and think about how to best navigate this life without that person, but in honor of that person, yeah, um, it's, it's a really, really big game changer. Um, just thinking of ways that you can honor that person, because I think all of us can agree that the person we've lost doesn't want us to live in sadness no. and <laughs> also doesn't want us to avoid the death of them because each person that we lose should be celebrated no matter what the relationship. Um, I mean, even if you have a toxic relationship with a person who you lose, um, they should be celebrated and you should honor them. And so I think that looking for replacements and even being convinced that you can replace that person. um, I just think that it's, it's just not possible. And so understanding that and knowing yourself enough to know what you need to heal, because again, that self-care is everything and it can look selfish, but sometimes you, you have a free pass to be selfish when you exactly. lose someone and you go through a trauma like that. True. That makes sense. Um, my advice, I actually have a friend who um, is, is experiencing this in a recent couple months. Uh, my advice is kind of cliche, uh, but the whole never give up thing uh, is definitely number one. And just realizing that everything is a marathon, not a sprint. And the person who's no longer with us, they, they never hand a baton over to a person who they intend to see stop running the race. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of knowing that you have to continue it. And now it starts with you. And as far as like losing a parent, it doesn't feel good to hear this in a moment, but it makes sense. Like it's the natural cycle of life. The parent is supposed to pass the baton to the child and not vice versa. Mm -hmm. So being able to carry out the legacy and um, being able to carry on what they instilled in you. I think that's a, um, that's the most rewarding part of it all. And a lot of things will feel empty that you accomplish without them. Uh, but uh, knowing that you still went on to accomplish it, that's the uh, fruitful part of it all. So I think that's the best advice I could give to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, for me, I think one of the biggest things for me is just remembering um, the good times and the fun times. So, so that for me, it's like, so that person doesn't, doesn't fade away. Like, mm-hmm. Excuse me, every now. Excuse me, I'm not crying, I promise. <laughs> every now and then. Um, just to remind yourself of things that they enjoyed in life. Like, there is certain movies my dad liked that I'll watch because it makes me think about him. Like, my dad loved this movie so much, and I'm going to watch it because I just imagine him watching it with me. Just yeah. different things like that. So you can just always have those memories. Um, and I'm a big person, like, with dreams um 
I, my dad like has appeared in my dream multiple times. So has my grandma. Like I'm someone who I don't take that lightly. You know, mm-hmm. there's things they say. You know, when a dead, when a loved one who's passed away appears in your dream, that means they're communicating with you. And I'm someone I honestly believe that. <laughs> there was one night when uh, my sister and I, and it was really kind of spooky in a sense. But she, I think my dad had appeared to her in a dream, and my grandma appeared to me in a dream. But it was the same night. And like that next day, we were like, did you have a dream about so-and-so? We were like, yeah, bro, that is so weird. Um, but I like, to me, it's just like, okay, like, it also makes you feel like you're you're not completely alone. Like, yeah. yes, they're, they're gone, but there is still a sense of them able to um, just connect with you and let them know, like, let you know it's okay, even though they're not here physically. There's still, their presence is still around. So I think it's big just to not... Um, forget their presence and just hold on to the good times and also talk, talk about it. Granted, I have never been to therapy, but I am um, a therapy advocate. So if you need someone to talk to, I feel like it's extremely important to um, get therapy as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So um, any final comments or words that you guys might have? I just love that you just said that Chanel, like keep them alive, keep talking about them. Um, and you know, my advice for anybody listening that isn't grieving, but is supporting someone in grief is to just not be afraid of supporting your people. Um, they like, I like to hear about everybody I've lost. I like to see their pictures. I like to hear the memories. And so, um, I think that fear of supporting someone correctly, um, is less important than actually just being there and keeping that person alive for the people that you love yeah yeah um just uh i just say don't give up and just remember patience and perseverance is like the the equation of solving pretty much any obstacle just those two things yeah i agree well i thank you all for having um this conversation with me i know it may not have been an easy one or you really didn't know what to expect um but no I think it went really really well and I just appreciate it I feel like we gave um some really great advice and I do hope you know if there's someone out there who is grieving and they just so happen to listen to this episode that you know it really helps them and they can relate so that's my biggest thing I always want people to relate to what we talk about you know yeah absolutely thanks so much for having us you're welcome Thank thank you Okay, so here is the wind down. As always, I like to give some type of advice or encouragement for you to just go forward and just live your life. And since this is about to be a whole new year, my advice for you is to do your reflection. Um, I like to go through the year um, beginning to end and just talk about the highs and the lows and try to recount like every different thing that has happened to me, um, different obstacles I have overcome. Um, you know, I already mentioned earlier in the episode about how I was actually consistent with my podcast and I was proud of myself for that. Um, I like to go through intentions that I had set previously for 2020 and actually see if I accomplish any of those um but i just really think it's good to do a reflection because it helps to see your growth and it also holds you accountable like okay you you set these goals for this year and you didn't do any of them what really happened what stood in your way or it's like 
bam, you set all these goals and you did it. Like you were on it. Um, but it's, it's not for you to, to knock yourself down. It's really just to assess and see, you know, what you were faced with and were you able to overcome things or what challenges got into your way and how you handled it. I think that's really big. Um, so I'm just, I want you all to do your reflection. And I actually um, have two questions that will help guide your reflection. I actually got these from my church. So I am not taking credit. And those actually came from another author. Um, I won't say author, but another person. I'm sorry. And it's what do I want to let go of? And what do I want to give myself to? I think those are two good questions to really get you started on your reflection that help guide it. Um, and those questions actually came from um, Richard Rohr, W-O-H-R. Um, so yes, just use some those two questions to help kind of guide you into your reflection and really take your reflection seriously. Don't just do it, um, you know, not don't do it half-heartedly, do it wholeheartedly, you know, really do your reflection and then you know, set your intentions for 2021. And it's crazy. I keep seeing that meme where it's like, I ain't seen nobody uh, say 2020, 2021 is their year yet. And it's like, shoot, because, you know, everybody went into 2020 so ambitious. And it's like, okay, 2021 is coming and people are kind of holding back. They don't want to jump into saying that 2021 is their year. But, you know, if you really feel it deep down and you know that great things are going to happen for you in 2021, don't hold back. Don't be afraid to say, you know, 2020 that is a tongue twister. Don't be afraid to say 2021 is my year and I'm there are certain things I'm coming for and I'm going to get. Don't hold back. If you feel it, claim it. All right. Get that manifestation going. But as always, I thank you all so much for listening to my podcast and listening to it all year and helping me have listeners and just get my numbers up. Like it means so much to me and I love the support and I just pray that we go into 2021 stronger and better than ever. Thank y'all so much for listening to the No Judgment Here podcast. It's Chanel here. Have an amazing new year. Stay safe.